I would say to adoptive mothers or fathers, don't let that fear of your child digging into their past stop you from walking through that process with them because they need you there with them. This is the Foster Movement Podcast, helping you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Here are your hosts, Jason Weber and Diego Fuller. Hey, this is Jason Weber. Welcome to the Foster Movement Podcast. I'm here with Diego Fuller. Hey, Diego, how's it going? How you doing, Jason? All right. So I have a question for you uh, today. As I was thinking about this interview that we're going to hear today, Uh what are you afraid of? What's something that you just gives you the EBGBs that you're scared of? Um, I'm not scared of a lot of things, but maybe one thing that uh, I probably fear, uh, not really, but maybe snakes. (laughs) Snakes are scary, man. Snakes are scary. And they sneaky. And you never know if you walk by one, if it's just, you know, it can bite you if you don't got your eyes open. So, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of scared of snakes a little bit. Yeah. 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 I had a a dream, actually, the other night about being chased by a snake. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) How did that dream go? I I woke up. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't want to see the end results. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I think about uh, the fears that uh, we have Mm -hmm. as adoptive and foster parents, I think that there are a lot of them, right? Right, right. There are a lot of things uh, that we can be afraid of as we go through this process. Right. One of those things that can be scary for adoptive parents is uh, thinking about our kids wanting to seek out relationship or wanting to know more about their biological families. Right, right. You know, we sometimes aren't exactly sure how to answer the questions. Mm -hmm. We don't know, uh, you know, why this child is asking about this and we feel insecure about that. Right. And so uh, today we're going to hear from an amazing woman, Mercedes Rousseau, who, uh, went through uh, foster care and then was adopted and talks about her experience with her biological family and what that did to her relationship with her adoptive parent. Mm -hmm. So let's take a listen to that interview. All right. I'm here in Plano, Texas with Mercedes Russo. Hello, Mercedes. Hi. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So, Mercedes, can you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your biological family? Yeah. So, basically, um, I am the first of nine children on my mom's side, and I'm the middle of three on my biological father's side. Um, And so, my biological mother um, raised me until I was about two and a half. And uh, that was when I entered the foster care system. Um, She left town with a friend and ended up leaving me with um, a fellow church member. And she didn't come back um, in a reasonable amount of time. And so the woman was forced to basically involve CPS. And so at that point, um, when my mom returned, you know, since the system is involved, you basically have to go through a process to prove that you are a responsible parent and that uh, you can raise your child. And so, um, unfortunately, my my biological mother didn't have past a ninth grade education and um, had been involved in prostitution uh, probably from about the age of 15. Uh, and so um, 
in addition to drug abuse and being a foster child herself, uh, she just had a lot of hindrances. And so uh, when it came to proving that she could take care of me, she wasn't able to do that. Um, we did have like a few visits at the foster care place. Um, and I only remember them vaguely. But um, from that point, I was placed uh, in a home probably about in the, in the next three months or so. And um actually went to live with my mother, the woman that raised me. And uh, from there... So this is who would become your adoptive mom? This would who, this is who would become my adoptive mother. And who you call mom? Um, who I call mom. Um, she was doing foster care um, probably for a few years by the time she got me. And uh, she actually took in about 150 foster kids in the time that she wow. did foster care. Yeah, and so um, the way she always tells it is that she, the Lord just put it on her heart to uh, to keep me when I came. And so uh, it definitely is a blessing for me. Um, and so, you know, going from there, I mean, I grew up, you know, just fed well, loved, and, you know, but there were also things that come along with being adopted um, struggles that I had to face and just different emotional things that I had to walk through um, that I didn't always have. Um, I don't think my parents were always aware. Can you articulate any of the, the feelings you had? What were those thoughts that were causing some of those feelings? So I think, for one, abandonment, um, rejection. Uh, as I got older, you know, I started to question, you know, because my parents never kept it a secret, like, oh, you were adopted. Um, we all knew um, my parents actually adopted five other kids as well. Um, and so we all knew that we were adopted, but it wasn't like, oh, you're adopted and so you're different or less loved. It wasn't anything like that. But the feelings that come along with that, because you basically, you're deviating from the natural course of things. And so had I been raised with my biological parents, I mean, that's the way that it quote unquote should have been if things have mm. been right. Um, but because of, you know, our own free will and choice and all those things, you know, I ended up where I was. And so as a result of that, you know, I experienced a lot of um, just just questions about why, you know, and then blaming myself, you know, was there something I did? Was was I not good enough? There were times when I, you know, I would ask my mom, you know, why was I adopted? You know, why why didn't my parents want me? That kind of a thing. And those were questions that were really hard for her to answer um, because she kind of had her own, you know, feelings about it. And so, um, yeah, I think that it's important for for people to know that when you when you're dealing with a child that's in foster care or adoption, it's more than just providing a home for them. It's more than just loving them and giving them all the love that you want to. It's more than just feeding them or taking them on nice trips. But there are emotional and mental things that they have to walk through. There are processes that sometimes last until they're in their you know, adulthood um, that need to be worked out in. And depending on the child, it, you know, it can take a while and it just takes a lot of patience um, and understanding on their end. So you said that your mom had some some feelings of her own mm -hmm. about it all. Do you know what any of those feelings were? I think ultimately it was just a question of will I lose my my value in my daughter's eyes once she knows more about her biological mom? Um, because, you know, she was doing the work, you know, uh, you can give birth to a child, but that doesn't make you a parent. Um, and so she was doing the work. She was raising me. She was taking care of me. You know, she was, you know, 
putting band-aids on my bruises. You know, she was doing all the things that a mother does for her child. And so I think, um, you know, for me to question or ask certain questions about my biological mom is just kind of a reminder that, like I said before, that we had deviated from the natural course of things. And so she was a substitute, um, an amazing substitute, but still not the, not the, not my biological mother, basically. And so I think her feelings were just, um, there may have been some insecurity. There may have been just a feeling of, you know, maybe feeling threatened. Um, but, you know, I think it's just important for p- people that want to adopt or people that are looking into foster care to uh, to be secure. You know, when you're taking someone into your home and you are becoming a substitute, you're, you're replacing that parent, but you're not necessarily you're not going to be the only person that they love. And it's it's okay for them to be able to ask questions and want to know more because you can't really know um, where you're going unless you know where you come from. And I think that for me, that was something that I needed to know. And and for adopted kids, it's important because it gives them peace and, and closure with their past. And you mentioned that uh, foster care and adoption is a deviation from the natural course of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was never supposed to be this way. No. God designed kids to be raised with their mom and dad. Yeah. So how old were you when you started to, uh, when it went from questions about your biological parents to mm-hmm. actually thinking about action, actually thinking about wanting to meet biological family? So it was after I was 18, um, through the, the course of my teenage years, I, I mean, I suffered from a lot of depression, which I didn't re- even realize that's what it was, but I was very depressed. And um, so I ended up leaving home at 18. Uh, my mom and I just couldn't get along. And um, like I said, she had adopted other kids. And so it just kind of came to that point where, you know, if you're not able to, you know, follow the authority that's over you, you just have to leave and, and figure it out. And so that's what I had to do. And um, I think I was about 20 years old when I reached back out to my mom and wanted to know um, more about my biological uh, family. And so she gave me some information and I ended up contacting my biological grandmother and uh, she passed the information on to my biological mom. And so from there, um, we met up and just kind of talked. And I think we talked probably all night and just kind of, you know, went through just, you know, all the things. I mean, I got to ask why and I got to ask what happened and just hear from her uh, firsthand, you know, what her experience was. And so. So when you went back to your mom and you asked her for information about your biological grandmother, Mm -hmm. did you see that same insecurity that you saw as a child? Did you see that come out at this point as well? I didn't. Um, For one, it was a phone call. Um, cause I wasn't living in the same city when I actually reached out. Um, but then also we had kind of had few, uh, a few conversations before that and have been kind of on the road to reconciliation. Um, and so at that point, I don't think it was a, a situation where she felt threatened or insecure. It was just, I think she understood that it was something that I needed to do. At what point did you meet any of your biological family face to face? Um, so my biological grandmother contacted my mom and then, uh, my, my biological mom basically came that same night. So she drove up that same night after we had talked on the phone and, um, she, I think she stayed with me for about a weekend and, um, 
after that, I just, you know, decided I was going to move. And so I moved and went to stay with her. And I stayed with her for about three years. Um, And so that was an experience. That was, it was a very, it was an eye-opening experience. And I say that because, um, like I said before, you have a lot of questions when you're a doctor and you're in foster care. What ifs? And, you know, what if things had happened this way? What if I had been raised with my biological parents? Would things have been better? Would they have been different? You know, so on and so forth. And this experience answered those what ifs um, in the sense that God doesn't make mistakes. Um, he, he absolutely does not make mistakes. And I say that because uh, there were just a lot of things that I got to see living with my biological mom that let me know that uh, God's choice to allow me to be put in foster care and his choice to allow me to be adopted was for my, it was for my good. It was for, uh, it was, he had my best interest at heart, basically. And I think a lot of times when you're adopted or you're foster care and you because it doesn't go the way that you quote unquote think it's supposed to go, uh, you can feel like it was a mistake or you can feel like you're the mistake um, or you can feel like, you know, a whole series of things that have happened in your life are mistakes. But like I said, this experience, you know, living with my biological mother got me to thinking and realizing I would not be who I am had I not gone through all the things that I went through. Um, Had God not allowed those things to happen, I I wouldn't have even known him the way that I knew him. Um, And for that, I mean, I I don't have any regrets at all. I absolutely have no regrets because uh, it was because of the empty places that he left um, that I got to see how he could fill them. And I say empty places in terms of, you know, oh, I, I'm not raised by my natural mom or, oh, I'm not raised by my natural dad or um, those empty places. You know, he substituted with my my mom who raised me. And that was the best for me because I was able to experience him. You know, we, we were taken to church. We, you know, we got to be introduced to the faith. And he was with me throughout that entire process. So there are adoptive moms listening to this right now. And at the point at which you said, I went to live with my biological mom Mm -hmm. for a period of time, Mm -hmm. their heart stopped just a little bit. (laughs) Because for a lot of adoptive parents, that's maybe their greatest fear. Yeah. How did your adoptive mom handle that? When I told her that I was moving and I was going to go stay with her, um, she didn't she didn't respond either way. It wasn't like a negative thing or a bad thing and I don't know if she had her own moments. Like you said that is a fear that uh, adoptive parents may have when it comes to their child going and looking for uh their biological mom because it's kind of saying, you know, in their mind in some way it's saying I'm not good enough um or they're looking for something more than what I could give. And uh, that's a hard thing to to even think or hear or believe when you're pouring out everything you have to a child that um, that you've been given. And so um, I would just say, you know, for people that are looking to adopt adoptive mothers or fathers, uh, that fear that's associated with your child digging into their past and trying to figure out who they are, that's the process. That fear, for one, um, is a lie. Uh, because they can love two people. They can love two moms, um, but they're going to love them differently. For me personally, I love both of my moms, but I love them very differently based on my experience with them. Um, And 
So while I love my biological mom because that's who God chose to birth me and bring me into this world, um, I don't love her the same way I love my mom who raised me because I have more experience with her. I, I lived with her. She got to see me cry. She got to see me at my first heartbreak. She got to see me, you know, get my first, you know, award at school. I mean, she walked with me through stages in my life that no one did. Um, and so I would say to adoptive mothers or fathers, don't let that fear of your child digging into their past stop you from walking through that process with them because they need you there with them. They need you. They need you to know that they still love you and it's not about you. And that might seem like something kind of harsh, but when your child is going through the process of discovery, they have to go through every piece of the puzzle and figure out where it goes and what to do with it. And if they don't have a safe place to do that, then it creates a lot of tension and strain in the relationship. And as a parent, you know, we have to start, we have to be able to put our kids first and look at their needs over our own. And so um, if your child ever asks questions or wants to know more, uh, don't let the fear of not being enough, don't let the fear of, you know, if, if you'll be replaced in some sort of sense, stop you from walking through the process with them because you'll find that you will more than likely be their very closest advocate. Um, for me, like I said, it was an eye-opening experience living with my biological mom because I realized that you know God doesn't make mistakes. Mercedes, you went through a lot of difficult things with your adoptive mom, and there were some difficult years there. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship like with her now? Oh, I love my mom. I mean, I've always loved her, um, but now... We're in a different place. It's we're in a place where there's more acceptance of what things are, and there is more of an acceptance of what things were in the past as well. If that makes sense, um, and I say that because um, we kind of had we kind of dealt with our own things separately. Her being the parent and me being the child, and now that I'm an adult, we kind of are able to come together and talk about things and. Uh, Christ is the best bridge for that because we both, you know, have faith. And so we're able to realize that, uh, as I've said before, he doesn't make mistakes. My perspective has changed because I'm no longer, a, you know, a depressed teen or a curious, you know, um, adolescent questioning things as to why I have answers from God as to why. And now I'm able to to talk to her about things and just hear from her side um, and and just be able to listen, you know, and not uh, not be looking for answers as a way to fill a void because I'm full now and I'm full because of my relationship with Christ. And so it, it's so different and it's so awesome because I'm no longer looking to a person for um, affirmation or fulfillment in who I am. I get that from Christ. Um, and so my mom is free to be who she is. She's free to um She's free to love me the way that she knows how to love me. And I don't have uh, these, you know, unrealistic expectations or um, unfulfilled desires that, you know, I've placed on her to fulfill for me because, you know, I know the Lord. And so, like I said, you know, he he's done an, he's done an amazing job of just helping us to walk through the process of forgiveness and to be open and to share, you know, how we felt about certain things. And uh, my mom is all, you know, she'll always say, you know, you're my daughter and no matter what, I love you. And, you know, I just I wanted to give you the best that I could. And those things for me tell me that, 
you know, there were some questions in her mind about if she was good enough and there were some insecurities. And so I'm so grateful for where we are now because um, it's just like we've gotten kind of gotten a new slate. And so um, we get to know each other in different seasons of our lives. And and I think that um, it's just an amazing thing. It's just amazing. Mercedes, it's been such a pleasure getting to talk to you uh, about your mom and about your experience. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I mean, this was an awesome opportunity. I'm always grateful to be able to share what God has done. He's so faithful. And so anything I can do to share and bring him glory, I'm definitely going to do it. So Diego, I love that interview. And she had so many really godly, faith-filled perspectives on so many things. She did. You know, one of the things she talked about was her ability to love both of her moms, her right. biological mom mm-hmm. and her adoptive mom. Now, you have some experience with that same reality, right? Right, most definitely. I thought that was actually what she said, you know, to loving her biological mom and her adoptive mom. Um, it's uh, two different types of love. She is like right on point with it. And, uh, and I'm actually in that same type of boat. Um, recently, my mom um, got released from prison about two years ago, and back in November 2016, I moved her into my into my place to help her out, get on her feet. Um, and so, uh, and we've been in that um, place where we've been trying to build a relationship. She's actually staying with me like right now, currently. And so, we've been in the place where we've been trying to build a relationship as I help her get on her feet. Um, but that mother son love type relationship, it's not um, it's not like my like my foster mom. You know, the love that she that she showed me and the love that I have for her, it's not the same. And I love I love um, Mary Blake, which is my 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 foster mom, my mom. I love her like a mother because she she nurtured me and she uh, she poured into me. And my biological mom, I love her because you know she brought me into this world, you know. And I'm doing my best what I can, you know, to help her out. But it's those two different those those two different loves are those are like way different. It's not the same, you know. And so I pray that we can have a mother son relationship that grow. But um, but yeah, and so um. But and there's room in your heart. Awesome. And there's room in your heart for both. Right. Most. De- oh yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. So we've been talking about that relationship between uh, a child and the biological parent. Mm-hmm. Now, this next guy we're going to hear from is going to take that a step further, and we're going to talk about the relationship between the adoptive parent and the biological parent. Oh wow! So there's one set of fears, right, mm-hmm. about uh, a child going and pursuing a relationship with their bio family, right. but then there's a whole other set of fears about interacting ourselves with those bio parents. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hear from Johnston Moore. Uh, This is a talk that he did uh, a little while back, and it's powerful. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear it. Originally, we wanted to have absolutely nothing to do with biological family members of our kids. Uh, We were, uh, we had this attitude that they had had an opportunity for the kids and they had, they had blown it. And uh, and now it was our turn. We were very holy at the time. And... uh, (laughs) And then we, we took in our first two, two children, our two boys, and uh, we fell in love with them right away. And, and then we started hearing the stories of, of, of neglect and, and abuse that they had suffered. And we wanted even less to do with their biological family, especially their biological parents. And so we, we, wanted to become, we wanted to become angry at those who had abused and neglected these children. We wanted to vilify them. We wanted to judge them. And then we discovered that the system itself that was put in place to help these kids heal and keep these kids safe actually set us up as adversaries with the biological family members as well. I don't know if that's been your experience. 
but we found ourselves oftentimes as, as rivals with them, rivals for the kids' affection, for their love, and, and ultimately even for their custody. Well, we discovered that this creates a sort of tension in the kids' lives, and it's a tension that kids who have been traumatized just don't need or deserve. But how do we get around that? How do we, how do we uh, go into foster care and, 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 and deal on a, on a relational basis with people who have abused, neglected, and abandoned children that we love? Well, I think the key is uh, found in uh, what Jesus calls the second greatest commandment, and that is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, it's very easy for us to dismiss that and say that the biological family members of our kids are not our neighbor. But then Jesus tells uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we learn in that 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 our neighbor, in God's eyes, is not necessarily the person that we would normally associate with. In fact, it's someone that we may have tension with, it may have uh, even hatred toward. We eventually uh, met Grandma Sandy and, uh, and our boy's biological mother, Cammie, and we fell in love with both of these people right away. And we started hearing their stories, and we realized that no, none of these biological family members, none of these biological uh, relatives set out to abuse their kids. Uh, but a lot of times these were people who had very difficult upbringings themselves. And, and we discovered that they were broken people made in the image of God and therefore were worthy of love and dignity. And so we've continued those relationships even past adoption. Uh, we've discovered that, that uh, allowing positive relationships with between, well, having positive relationships between us and the birth families have helped the kids in numerous ways. And one of the ways that we've discovered is that it actually helps minimize the amount of time a child is in foster care. I think we'd all agree that the less time a child is in foster care, the better. And we've discovered that if we can be a support system to a biological mother, then she may be able to reunify safely with her child in a more timely manner. But on the flip side of that, if she can trust that, that she's going to be able to see her child after the adoption, then she may be able to let go in those situations where reunification is not called for. And so we've actually been able to, uh, ha we've had biological, uh, well, birth parents have actually signed away their rights in some situations to allow us to adopt their kids. It hasn't been easy. Every situation is different. There are times that, that contact is not called for, but you just need to be wise and you need to stay open to what God has called you to do. This all culminated in about seven years ago. Uh, in 2007, we got the call that Cammie was in the hospital in ICU. And, and again, we, uh, we had originally wanted nothing to do with our biological, our kids' biological parents, but we actually spent the day, well, hours with her um, on her deathbed, and I was able to lead her to Christ on her deathbed. And I think about that, and I think, thank God <laughs> that His Spirit changed my heart toward my neighbor. Wow, man, how powerful was that? Um, Jason, to you, what do it mean for you to, um, to love your neighbor, you know, as you love yourself? Yeah, I think that was one of the most uh, impactful parts of what Johnston had to share. Right. Is when we realize truly uh, who Jesus considers our neighbor to be, mm -hmm. um, it puts us in completely different places. Yes. It puts us in completely different neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. It puts us in completely different um, sometimes churches. Right. Uh, in completely different schools, mm -hmm. like when we really begin to think about our neighbor and who that is and what it really means to love them, right. we'll end up in places we never dreamed we'd end up. Yeah, man, you're so right about that. Well, we want to thank our guests, Mercedes Rousseau and our friend Johnston Moore for his amazing insights. And we want to thank you for joining us. We'd really love to hear from you. Come find us on Facebook at the Foster Movement podcast page and respond to our big, important question this week. 
otherwise known as our Big IQ. It's time for the big important question, Diego. What is the big important question? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Well, tell me. <laughs> so the big important question for this week is this. When it comes to foster care and adoptive parenting, what scares you? Mm. What scares you? Be sure to add the hashtag Foster Movement Podcast. Now, to get today's show notes, just go to fostermovementpodcast.org. Thanks for all you do to speak up for kids and families in foster care. We're here to help you do that until there's more than enough. Have a blessed day. This has been the Foster Movement Podcast. Join Jason Weber and Diego Fuller next time as they and their guests help you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Hey, this is Jason and Diego again. Yes, and we're still here because there's a couple of things that we want you guys to know. That's right. First of all, be sure to download the free PDF we created, especially for listeners of this podcast. It's called Key Things Former Foster Youth Want You to Understand About Caring for Current Foster Youth. This thing is beautiful and full of wisdom and insight from those who've been there. And I'm telling you, you need to print these babies out and give them to foster parents and applicants you work with because these things are amazing. Just go to morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. That's morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. Also, as you know, the Foster Movement Podcast is a limited series of just 18 episodes. But listen, it's okay. Don't be sad. Here's why. Because there's more where that came from. Tell them, Jay. That's right. More Than Enough has produced a whole family of podcasts, one of which is called the More Than Enough Podcast. So to learn more, go to morethanenoughtogether.org and click on the podcast link at the top of the homepage, and they are all there. Hey, and one last thing. Thank you for listening. It's a privilege to be a part of your journey. Our team is here to help you work with others in your community to provide for children and families before, during, and beyond foster care until there's more than enough.